Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening. Joining us from New York City, back home finally, Tim Bontemps. Yes, sir. Hello, fellas. Tim made a little uh, side trip to the Hall of Fame festivities this week in New England. We'll maybe touch on that a little bit later, but maybe not. I did. Shout out to Mark Spears. Absolutely. Now a bona fide Hall of Famer. Anscapes Mark J. Spears with the Kurt Gowdy Award in the Hall of Fame. Very proud moment for all of us at ESPN. Congratulations, Mr. Spears. Looking forward to having him back on soon. And joining us from Dallas, Texas, Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Are you a member of any Halls of Fame, McMahon? Only in my own mind. That's a big one. Distinguished graduate of North Texas. Dude, you know what? They actually sent it. So they're going into uh, a new conference. The uh, AAC. Who isn't? Yeah, exactly. So they're part of that. Right. They might be in the same conference as Stanford now. Stanford, North Texas. (laughs) I've always said it's It's all the same. I've always referred to it as the Stanford of Denton County. um, That's right. No, but so they sent all these like media members who are North Texas graduates, like some nice gear. And I, I know this because I saw people posting about it on Twitter. I didn't even get any. I didn't even get a damn free T-shirt. So Hall of wow. Fame, I can't even get a T-shirt anymore. Hmm. And you love T-shirts. Yeah. I've seen you wear I, some I T-shirts. You clearly got for free. Absolutely. And I get there might have been a, a minimum GPA requirement. That that would be um, the only explanation I can come up with. I see. Uh, all right. So we do have some NBA uh, stuff going on here. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski reported on Saturday that the 76ers have ended trade talks involving James Harden and their plan is to bring him to training camp. Um, he made it very clear, uh, that he doesn't think it's necessarily, this wasn't necessarily an agreement. This Mm -hmm. wasn't like last year with Kevin Durant where right about the same time, I didn't look Mm -hmm. up the exact date, but it's about the same time. Durant and um, the Nets sort of agreed to uh, cease fire and they were going to just, you know, sort of forge ahead, although it didn't last that long. Um, That's not the case here. Philadelphia um, is basically making it known that they are not going to trade him. Now, what I would say here, and I don't want anybody to think that I don't have great respect for Daryl Morey. I just know that Daryl Morey plays games. And he wins negotiations. He routinely throughout his career has won negotiations. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't lost them. doesn't mean that's what's going to happen here. But Daryl Morey plays games. Um, And I would say ended what trade talks? What was that? I don't think they were active. I don't think there's any active trade talks in the NBA right now. Certainly not active for Dame Lillard. And I don't think there's anything active for James Harden. And so to me, uh, McMahon, because I know you've dealt with um, Maury in stalemates before, uh, to me this is, as um, uh, the, the patriarch would say in succession, why is his name failing me right now? I'm showing my age. Kendall Roy. Kendall Roy. Is no, it? no. Uh, Logan Roy. Logan Roy. Logan as Roy, Logan Roy would say, it's a move. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is some sort of move. I don't know what it is. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish. Um, but I think he's doing something because uh, otherwise, why would you make a strategy announcement? Why would you stick your foot in the sand um, on August 12th or mm-hmm. whatever it was? Um, 
But that's just my opinion. No one's told me that. Um, I've just been told the same thing that Adrian reported, which is that he's quote-unquote off the market, and we'll see him in um, September. Uh, McMahon, what was your reaction to that quote-unquote development? I, I, I would say, where are we going to see him in September? Are, are we sure that's going to be in the 76ers training camp? I mean, with James Harden, when he wants out, you never know where he might pop up. I would say he's just as likely to be in Las Vegas as he is in Philly. Uh, you know, I haven't checked. For the in-season tournament? Beginning oh, no, no. November 4th? I'm talking about for the start of training camp. Start of training oh. camp. I uh, haven't checked on little baby. You know, I don't know if there's a – will he be on tour? If if so, pretty good chance James might decide he wants to hang out with him. Look, this is a, a, a deal where – yeah, Daryl, he, he drew his his line in the sand, but James long ago drew his. Um, and Daryl has a track record of winning negotiations. Sure. James has a track record of when he wants to get the hell out of town, he succeeds. And so, you know, the, the history that they to have. To where he wants to go. Exactly. The history that they have, the great relationship over the years, the commissioned painting of James Harden that hangs in the entryway of Daryl Morey's home, the Basketball Jesus t-shirts. None of that matters now because this relationship has been blown to smithereens and Harden clearly feels like he was done wrong. I'm not suggesting that when Harden decided to do that one plus one, there was a wink-wink uh, deal in place that he he expected to get a certain deal uh, the next summer. I would never suggest such a thing. But I just think that excuse me, the 76ers were busted for tampering last year, and I think they they are going to be clean as a whistle going forward. That's my belief. Yep, they will be the one team in the NBA that never tampers again. I am quite sure of that. <laughs> I'm quite sure. Well, maybe the Knicks because the Knicks got hit with the second round pick too for getting a uh, a you know point guard is the best player on Team USA right now for what ended up being a discount deal. So I'm sure the Knicks. I know they've only got 13 future seconds instead of 14. (laughs) They're suffering. (laughs) Right. But no, I mean, look, this is going to be one hell of a standoff. And a couple things real quick. Number one, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If there's one lead decision maker, personnel decision maker in the NBA who does not give a damn about an awkward situation, it is Daryl Morey. So that's one thing. The other thing I'm going to say is the last time that Daryl Morey and James Harden strongly disagreed on something that could, you know, it was a major issue. Chris Paul got shipped to Oklahoma City in what's proven to be one of the worst trades uh, of the, you know, since who knows when, of of the last 20, 25 years. By the way, which was James getting his way. I said to you guys a month ago when this started that I thought this is how this is going to go. And I'm not surprised that we're sitting here with James Harden still on the Sixers and no trade happening and no trade imminently happening. And part of that's because, as we know, Daryl Morey all but certainly wants to have James Harden on his team. And part of that is because of the same thing that we've talked about with the Damian Lillard situation for the last month also, which is that there's just not a lot of interest in James Harden. There are not teams lined up around the block to trade for James Harden, just like there's not teams lined up around the block to trade for Damian Lillard. Now we could say, well, the Clippers would love to have James Harden at the right price or various teams would be interested in having Damian Lillard at the right price. 
That doesn't mean you want those guys. That means you'll take them if the deal is good for you, right? And that is really, I think, the underlying thing in this whole situation. Maybe James Harden will show up in October and do what he did a couple years ago in Houston, or maybe he won't show up at all. But I do think the very significant difference in this situation than in the prior instances when James Harden was able to force his way to another destination was he doesn't have another destination sitting there saying, come on board, man, we're going to make this happen. We're going to get you here. When he was in Houston, you had Philly and Brooklyn bidding to get him. When he was in Brooklyn, he knew that Philly was sitting there waiting to bring him in with Daryl Morey, with Tad Brown, wanting to give him a contract. All that stuff was sitting there for him, right? Now, that doesn't exist. And I think, to me, like I've thought for the last month, if James Harden wants to get paid next summer, which very clearly has been his goal in this whole process, he is worried about getting paid next summer. To me, the way for him to do that is to show up in Philly now and play well and then go be a free agent next summer and go get paid. And we'll see if that's the path he takes or if it ends up being a chaos-filled disaster. I certainly think the latter path could very well happen because of the track record we all know about here. But I do think this is a much different situation than the ones we've seen before because there just isn't a team sitting there going, yeah, we got to have James Harden on our team. There's a couple saying, yeah, we'd like to have him for something, but there's no incentive for Philadelphia to trade him right now. And there's no team banging on their door to do it. And so as much as James Harden might be upset about the current circumstances he's in, A, if he hadn't opted into his contract, I think he'd have the kind of deal he wanted and he would be in a decent situation in Philly going forward, but he did opt in. And I think he's going to be there for the foreseeable future because I just don't think a trade's happening one way or the other. One other thing that kind of goes along the lines of what you were saying, Bon Temps, the first time he asked for a trade, I think if my notes are correct, which they may not be, he was he had just finished third in the MVP voting and was yep. coming off a stretch of like, I don't know, five or six years where he either won the MVP or was in the top three almost every year. And his leverage was higher. And you've talked about this before at the beginning of the summer is that even though his contract is also a different situation, he it's one thing to demand a trade when you have multiple years left on your contract. It's another thing to demand a trade when you have one year left, but it's also another thing to demand a trade when you are not performing at the level that you were, you know, three years prior. And he still is a player who teams would have interest in, but I don't think he's a player that teams are ready to give the kind of long-term huge dollar contract that he seems to want. And so, he, there is some strategy that he has to consider um, when it comes to uh, how to approach, you know, th- this, you know, p- presentation that the 76ers have now, you know, presented him. Uh, sure, it is easy to just assume that he will do what he did in Houston, um, which I still can't understand. I still can't explain that one game where he showed up looking like he had gained 30 pounds and then. <laughs> 10 days later looked fine. I, I well, by the it's, way, it is, those it's, four it's years, one of the great mysteries of the last decade. Those four years leading into 2020, second, first, second, and third in MVP. And there was a, right. a ninth place mm-hmm. when they finished eighth in the West and he finished second the year before that. So top three, five out of six years and four years in a row. 
obviously last year he led the league in assists, but he wasn't a guy who was seen as one of the three best players in the league, which he's he was a very for good half a player. decade. He's a, yeah. he's a very good player. He is not a give a, give a five-year max player. And uh, it, it, it is the underlying situation that we do not know and will never know is what McMahon touched on, which was what was said or what was even understood. It doesn't, it didn't even have to be said Right. what was understood a year ago. And that brings baggage into any discussion with the 76ers. But it just because that's what he's done in the past, and it wasn't just in Houston, it was that West Coast trip that he had with the Nets where he basically folded up shop and mm-hmm. they recognized what was happening and they traded him. I don't think that we should assume he's going to go down that path again because of the situation that Bontemps has, has laid out. And I do think that over this next seven weeks, before, between now and the start of camp or six weeks or whatever it is, I think it's seven, there's going to be some maneuvering and some strategizing done on both sides. And I would say my bottom line is just because Daryl Morey says trade talks are done doesn't mean that they're done. And just because James Harden didn't report or reported in you know with a certain mindset in the past in the situation doesn't mean he'll do that again. That's that's my bottom line, bottom line read. And and you're right about this being a different situation for Harden, the circumstances being different. And if he doesn't realize that yet, like I don't know when he will, because let's be honest, when he took that deal last summer, he thought there were gonna be he thought he was gonna have his choice of long term max offers. Am I gonna go back to Houston and have that reunion and run a franchise again? Or am I going to stay in Philadelphia, you know, be on a contender, be okay being Joel Embiid's sidekick and and continuing uh, to play for Daryl Morey? Ends up that he didn't have either of those options. And now his option is, do I make the best of a situation I don't want to be in anymore with Philadelphia, which is not willing to put a lot, was not willing to put a long-term max type of deal on the table? Or do I raise as much hell as possible in the hopes of, getting out and you know does does that help his long-term situation I, I I can understand him looking at this saying the best thing for my long-term financial picture would be getting to a team that would be interested in using bird rights to keep me uh, in in the future but if it's really messy I don't know well and and there's also the fact to consider right I mean Look at the Houston situation all year long as well. Maybe James is going to go back to Houston. Houston chose another point guard, right? Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they were trying to spend money this summer and they actively chose to sign somebody else. And if you're looking at signing a guy in his mid thirties, who now for a third time in four years is going, ah, yeah, you know, I'm not happy here when this is about the, the best possible situation he could be in from a competitive standpoint you've got Joel Embiid who's an unbelievable pick and roll partner for him they had the best they were their pick and roll was the most dominant play in the league last year he led the league in assists the team is run by the guy who his whole career is owed to him and wants him to be mm-hmm. a huge part of the franchise and all of this stuff is set up for them to be a really good competitive team they've got Tyrese Maxey next to him they went and got PJ Tucker last summer one of his best friends in the league. Like it's all set up for this to be a good situation for James Harden. And he's still not happy. 
So yeah, he's I not think, happy I now. Think Philly, when is he going Philly, Philly wanted to keep him. They just didn't want to give him a five-year max. Right. Well, here's the other part. Here's the other part. We don't know what Philadelphia would have done because he opted in. If he had opted out of his contract and become a free agent, the Sixers didn't have a choice, really. Right? They had him sitting there. They probably would have had to come to some sort of a long-term agreement or long-ish term agreement with him if he wanted to make one. It's you. You're just going over old ground that you were right about. It was what Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, got that three year one twenty. Was it one twenty or one twenty five? Yeah, one twenty five. It's three years, one twenty plus an extra six in uh, in incentives with a player option. Is it unreasonable to think Harden couldn't have gotten that? Absolutely not. Or absolutely, totally reasonable. I mean, yeah. like I, the Philly was going to be over a barrel. If he had mm-hmm. opted out, they would have had he would have had the leverage. Him opting in and all of the stuff that's happened, him opting in is the thing that doesn't really make any sense. Because then he ceded say, all control in the situation of the Sixers. Let me say something about Houston real quick. Houston getting Fred Van Vliet, choosing basically to prioritize Fred Van Vliet. Number one, Van Vliet's younger, even though he's dealt with a little bit of a knee issue. Number two, his max is lower. He's a 30% max player. This is, you know, if Harden wanted the maximum 35%, that's a big difference. Forget about his fit, just his fit as a player and with what they've got on the roster and whether you want James there. Thirdly, he was willing to come for two years max guarantee. Mm-hmm. Was Harden willing to take two years max guarantee? I- I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I mean, a- maybe at the very end he might have, but they obviously, you know, they made their choice. The other thing I'm going to say about Houston is I was watching some highlights this last few days of Alperen Şengün playing for the Turkish national team. Now, Turkey did not qualify for the World Cup, and that is a bummer because Şengün looks great, and he's distributing the ball. He had a he had a really solid second season, put up his numbers, and I think Şengün, <laughs> I wouldn't rule out them running a little bit of their offense through him. Well, they, yeah, if you're going to have him on the floor, you better because he he is your best passer. He's your best facilitator. I th- and rumor has it the guy grew a couple inches uh, over yeah. the summer. Seriously, yeah, um, I mean, if it, if it works out well for him, he's a demonic. I mean, you're not going to say he's Jokic, but he's definitely built in the mold of a Jokic or a Demonis Sabonis, a guy that's going to get you a bunch of assists and get you rebounds and can be the hub of your offense out of the high post. I, I I'm I. I think that Shingun is definitely a big-time talent um, offensively. I'm just going to say, though, if the Rockets were that sold on him being a high-level starter, why did they try to get Brooke Lopez? Why did they – That's right. I mean, they were they thought it was a done deal. They're, they're making moves to dump you know, a little bit of salary with Atlanta uh, so they could get Lopez signed to the deal that was on the table. So – I am with you as far as Shingun being a very intriguing talent, but I am also going to point out they tried to sign a starting center this summer. Well, if you look at well, the I think they, I, I, I think they wanted to do that real quick. May I rebut? They want to do that because they're trying to make the playoffs this year. Right. And I'm not saying that Shingun is going to help make the playoffs this year. But that, I mean, I don't I don't think that should be necessarily taken as a, a vote of well, no confidence in Shingun. I would agree and disagree. I mean, Chengun's going into his third year. It's not like he's shown nothing at this point. He's a very mm-hmm. interesting young player. And if you're paying Brook Lopez or trying to pay him in the neighborhood of 50 over two, that is a sign that, like, if you're trying to make the playoffs, like, that means you don't think he can help you make the playoffs in his third year in the league. 
that tells you something about where, whether it's Emi Odoka or the front office or both or whatever, it does tell you something about where they view him and where they view his deficiencies, to McMahon's point. I am intrigued to see him and Jabari Smith play next to each other because they should mm-hmm. really mix and match very well. And some of Jabari's defensive ability could be a really interesting pairing with Shangun. And I think that could fit really well. So in the long term, it might work out really well for them. But I've been interested since he may got there because you look at the centers that they had in Boston, they were all def- they were they were defensively focused. And Shangun yeah. is an offensively focused center who is going to struggle on the defensive end. And that is going to be an interesting thing to watch is, is he make cool with that? Or would he rather have more of a traditional defense first center like Brooke Lopez? So we'll see where that goes from here. Uh, I would just say Shangun is a player based on what I've seen and heard about this summer to keep an eye on for the way he's going to play this year. So, well, by the way, you want to talk uh, about we'll a what see. if a couple of years ago, the Oklahoma City Thunder could have drafted Alperen Shangun. Did technically draft him. Yep. They yeah, traded they, him they swapped for, back. They traded him for a couple of mediocre future sec, future first round picks, which by the way, they later turned into Usman Jang, who they drafted the next year. So really it comes down to a Usman Jang versus Alperen Shangun thing going forward. But you put Shangun on that Thunder team, be pretty interesting. So, you know, that's that's something I've watched since that draft night. And it's going to be very interesting to see where that goes moving forward, too, because he, him and Shea run into pick and rolls and look pretty good, too. By the way, Shea had 26 points and six steals in 20 minutes. <laughs> He's pretty good. Uh, I mean, it was against New Zealand. It wasn't, you know, against the Dream Team. But uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't unimpressive. He, uh-huh. he, he certainly could be the best player in the Philippines uh, when, when the World Cup <laughs> yeah. hits that stage. Well, you know, I did an interview with Carl Towns, who's playing for the Dominican. For for weeks, all we've heard is guys who are not playing. And uh, Giannis affirmed, uh, I think it was on Friday, that he was not going to play. Not a surprise. He was termed as doubtful. But And, um, you know, not that um, Frank Nilakina is a major headliner, but Nilakina is, um, is just withdrew from the World Cup due to an injury. Uh, you know, France is a contender. He's one of their starters, so it's interesting. Anyway... Carl Towns is playing for the Dominicans. The first time he's played in 10 years. I did an interview with him, a story I think is going to run Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, Carl Towns, from a, from a resume standpoint, is one of the three or four. You know, he's got a super max contract. Mm-hmm. He's one of the three or four most highly decorated players in the tournament. And you put him on a team like the Dominican Republic and, you know, things could happen. But, all right, well, we'll see how the hard thing develops. Um, I think there's more twists and turns before the opening of training camp. Bontemps, before we go on, I think you've got some trivia. I do. James Harden-centric trivia. Oh, hey. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. Well, little James Harden-centric trivia. I was looking, I was looking around for a James Harden question when we were getting ready for the pod. There are James Harden is 12th currently in active games played among all players. <clears throat> who are the guys ahead of him? Active. Okay. Does this mean guys who are signed to a team right now? Yes. So okay, Andre Godala so- is not on the list. And Trevor Reza, who's technically active, according to basketball reference, is not on the list. Okay. 
I'm just going to bring up a list of teams. I'm not cheating. I'm just reminding <laughs> he myself. He says this. I, I have to. And dis- then he just starts ripping myself. off answers every time. <laughs> I have to disqualify myself because I didn't hear the question. Long story short. <laughs> oh God! Here's the question. James guys Harden. Who, James Harden is twelfth among active players in games played. Who are the guys ahead of him? I mean, obviously LeBron. LeBron is number one. Okay. Um, Al Horford. Al Horford is thirteen games ahead of him. Okay, thirteen. So okay, I'm That's um, number two. Uh, Jeff Green. Jeff Green is ahead of him. That's three. Okay. Wendy Field. Russell free. Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is four. KD, I'm guessing, is not ahead of him. KD is 14 games behind him. He's okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did Giannis Haslam retire? Yes, he is not. He did actually retire. I don't know if he is ahead of him, actually. I'd actually I know, I'm actually going to check that while, while you're looking up names. Um, I don't know if he is. I don't think Steph will not, be ahead of him. Uh, Steph missed. is not. Steph okay, he's, not. Missed, he's missed too many games. Yep. Clay would have missed too many games. Yep. Uh, Lord knows Kawhi's missed too many games, as has Paul George. Hmm, hmm, hmm. They're all guys drafted in the prior, in the the 2000s, not the 2010s. There's one very, there's there's one very obvious one. Chris Paul. Chris Paul, that one. Yeah, that's a very obvious one. Dame. Dame is not ahead of him. He's not. Wow. No. Again, two two thousand from two thousand nine back draft years. Hmm, hmm, hmm. This is this is a good one. PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, Tucker is not. One guy comes up on the pod almost every week. DeAndre. DeAndre Bob Jordan. Pettit. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. DeAndre Jordan is one. Uh, of them. really stretching the definition of active there. Um, he's he's on a he's under I'm contract just, he with the team. He would be sliding kidding. on a ring, which he got meaningful minutes in the finals. There, <laughs> that is true. He played an A finals game, I believe. We got one, two, three, four, five guys. Uh, there's eleven, and there's eleven. We're, there's eleven. Trouble. Man, this is a tough one. Kevin Love. Kevin Love is not ahead of him. Damn it. Jeez. Okay. Okay. There's three of them were on the Raptors. Are together, or were? Together on the Raptors. Kyle Lowry. Yep. Otto Porter Jr. No. <laughs> Kyle Lowry's the right time frame, though. Uh, not Kawhi. I've already said. Oh. Is, uh, is our colleague? Why am I blanking on my guy's name? He's got rings from all over the league. Danny Green, is he still is he no. active? Okay. No. I don't know if he's not he on is... the team. He also isn't ahead of him. The clue I just gave you is a very good one. There were three Raptors who played together who are all ahead of him. Kyle Lowry's one of them. The other two are in the same time frame. DeMar DeRozan. DeMar is uh, uh, is one of them. Not Van Vliet. No, um, no, no. Famously was traded away from the Raptors when they turned things around. Oh, Rudy Gay. Rudy is he still Gay? in the league? Yes. I I Actually, that's bullcrap. He was cut by the Thunder. Oh, that's right. He was cut by the Thunder. That's my yeah. bad. Uh, the whole, the whole thing's invalid. The whole no, thing's that, invalid. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I think he was traded like seven times this summer and cut by I the was, Thunder. I was so. thinking he was still under contract. No. So there, yeah, there's two players. This one up there's two players left. <laughs> one is one is under contract on the Raptors now. On the Raptors now. Oh man, who's the Raptors geezer now? He's barely played last year. So you might not remember him in Toronto. 
Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to struggle. Played for the Sixers, the Nets, the Pacers, the Wolves, the Bulls. Power forward. It's bounced around. Lefty. Oh, Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus Young. Wow. Third in active games played behind Chris Paul and LeBron. That's amazing. Now, that would have been a great question. And the other one, the other guy is a point guard who was was on his third team. Point guard on his third team. Team has been around for traded forever. last season. Reggie Jackson. No. No. He's on his sixteen. Yes. Um, traded last season at the deadline for another point guard. Not on the sixth best roster in the Oh, Michael Mike, Col- Mike Conley. Mike Conley. Oh, ah, there you go. I should have gotten Conley. That's a good that was a tough one. That was a tough All one. Right. You cheated a little we didn't bit. give in. We didn't give in, McMahon. We the other ones the, the other ones involving Harden were all he's like he was like third or second in all these different categories. So I was trying to find one where it was at least sort of interesting. It wasn't just LeBron or LeBron and, yeah. you know, Chris Paul ahead of him or something. All right. Well, Team USA has played three exhibition games um, as they get ready for the World Cup. I'm ju- I'm uh, heading out uh, on Monday to join them in Abu Dhabi where they play um, Germany and Greece this week. By the way, the Germans beat the Canadians the other day. And another indication that the Canadians are, you know, still learning. And it was there was some smack talk going on. It was in Berlin, and some in-game smack talk between Dennis Schroeder and Dylan Brooks. I am shocked so, that it was those two guys <laughs> that were involved in that. Canadians, <laughs> Canadians got him back today in overtime. Oh, they did. I didn't see. Uh, I didn't yeah. see that final. RJ had thirty-one. RJ Barrett. Canadians won in overtime by a point to win the. They played some sort of cup tournament, and they yes. won. Who's coaching the Canadians again? Jordy Fernandez. Jordy Fernandez. Oh, that's right. King's, that's right. King's yeah. assistant who took over for Nick Nurse when he mm-hmm. dropped out a couple months ago. Who, in, who interviewed, I think, for three jobs this summer. Interviewed in Phoenix for sure. I was, he was a finalist in Phoenix. He will be a head coach soon. Yes. Uh, 41 years old. I interviewed him. I've known him since 2009, and I interviewed him a couple of days ago for a piece that's, that's uh, coming. And he told me who he interviewed with, and I forgot already. It's a huge opportunity for him. I mean, the Canadians, as we've talked about, you know, they've got arguably the best player in the tournament. They've got a, they've got one of the deepest rosters in the tournament. Certainly outside of certainly outside of you know, they're on par or close to it with the United States. They're as good or better than anybody else in the tournament. They've got mm-hmm. a great shot to at minimum medal. And you know, if it's Team USA and Canada in the gold medal game, Canada could win that game. They they've got a real shot. Wendy, how many teams? How many teams make it to the Philippines? 32 are in the World Cup. Okay, so everybody goes to the Philippines. I thought it was 24. Well, 32. Mm-hmm. And there's some there's some teams that are left out. Like I said, Turkey okay. didn't qualify. Argentina didn't qualify. These are team these are mainstays that didn't make it, but oh, it 30. 32 make it and then 12 make it next year to Paris. And obviously everybody's trying to win the World Cup. That's the goal. But really for most of these teams, they're trying to get one of those 12 spots. It's hard to qualify for the Olympics. In the, by the way, the, the United States, which won the Tokyo Olympics, they qualified by the skin of their teeth because uh, they finished seventh in um, 2019 World Cup. They barely qualified. Uh, so that's one of the things that the Canadians are fighting for. And uh, that would be great because the Canadians haven't been – I think they last – don't they hold me in, to this. Last time they played was in- no, 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 no. It was in Sydney. They played uh, when in RJ's father, Rowan Barrett, and uh, Steve okay. Nash were on the team. 
Okay, but even still, they haven't played in five Olympics. So, and they have the second most talent in their country. Yeah. Uh, so, just them making the making the Olympics would be a terrific step forward. So, but anyway, uh, Team USA has played three games. They played far and away their most challenging game on Sunday in Malaga, Spain, against Spain, sold out arena, and this was exactly the type of game. The the if you if you don't like FIBA basketball, I can't. I'm not going to try to talk you into it. But the reason the FIBA basketball is interesting is because the type of game that was played on Sunday. The officiating was a joke. Uh, the game the game was on Fox. It's always charitable well, to say it is suspect. Well, the great thing was that they, they honored one of the refs at halftime because it was like his last game. <laughs> Bill Rafferty was calling the game for Fox and like a couple of times just had to laugh. Just like you know, he couldn't openly say that this officiating is a joke. There was this one hilarious moment where there was this blatant foul on Jalen Brunson. He turned the ball over and they they just wore it as a turnover. He just looked at the ref and, and gave him the thumbs up. He just <laughs> thumbs up. Well, there was, an, there was another one when uh, the ref, uh, Brandon Ingram was def- defending an inbounds pass. The guy was standing out of bounds. The guy tried to throw it over Ingram. He literally volleyball spiked it off of him while he's standing out of bounds. So they gave Spain back the ball. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is how it's going to go. But to your point, this is why FIBA games are interesting because right. if you're playing the air in Spain, conditioning, that's how it goes. Right. The air conditioning doesn't work. <laughs> like uh, Steve Kerr is over there dripping sweat. Okay. The the arena is apparently 85 years old. Kerr played there like when he was, you know, in the, eight, in the 80s and apparently – it was in better shape then. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm not there. I'm. Just, I was nervous. Guys are going to get hurt because they were falling all over the place. Halliburton had a weird fall. Anthony Edwards yes. had a weird fall. I was nervous somebody yes. was going to hurt a knee or a groin or something. It was the second. The, the way it was set up, it was a celebration of the Spanish Federation's hundredth anniversary. Hmm. So it was set up as this weekend of games with Luca. Luca played on Friday. Uh, didn't play on Saturday, but the Spanish had Saturday off, so the U.S. were playing the second night of a back-to-back. It was all set up for the U.S. to get beat, and there was, you know, a lot. You know, the the the, uh, the Spain was down ten points at half, and they came out playing the second half like it was an elimination game in the finals. Just all their energy for this game, and so it was an absolutely spectacular test for the U.S. because the Americans often in feeble play face a you know, obscure and challenging circumstances, the style of play, the officiating, the venue, you know, some of the rules. And everybody's and amped up to beat them too. Right. Of course. And so this is an exhibition game, but it was important. And Steve Kerr played the game like he played the other exhibition games. Didn't even use his whole bench. Some of the guys didn't get in. At least one of the guys didn't get in. In the second half, shortened his rotation up to like eight guys, like really played it like an important game. And the Americans withstood it. They won by ten. And a couple of things that are going to are going to stand out, and then I'll yield it to you guys. Jalen Brunson has been great, and he was awesome in this game. Scored twenty points. I wish I could tell you the the exact final box score, but the the Spanish. Here, here website, I can tell you what's important. He went nine for nine from the field. Yeah, twenty one right. points. points. Twenty one. Twenty one points. No, sorry. Okay. The Spanish uh, website that I was looking at is works as well as the air conditioning there in Milan. Well, I was going to say, what they spell the numbers out? You can't read them, like the numbers. Well, they're they're not, the box score is the box score is currently not updated past the first quarter, so that's the, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Anthony Edwards, <clears throat> playmaker all over the court, 
He's le- the leading scorer through three games, made all kinds of plays everywhere. And late in the game, he, you know, he was the victim of some rough calls. Mm-hmm. Late in the game, he made, with, with Spain still trying to win it, he made a terrific drive where he did a reverse layup around three Spanish players to get a basket. Tough basket anywhere in the world under those circumstances. And then a minute later, created a steal by jumping into a passing lane, got the loose ball, went down, and finished it at the other end playmaker and Jaron Jackson really defending the front of the rim and the, the U.S. hasn't shot the ball particularly well from the outside so far but in 2019 before the, the World Cup in China they finished seventh significant red flags in the warm-up games nobody was panicking but significant red flags 2021 Tokyo Olympics now that was that weird situation where, th- where several of the players were still playing in the finals so they weren't whole but the guys that they did have, there were red flags, lost mm-hmm. several games, not not looking good, very shaky. This team looks excellent, well put together, well coached, focused, good camaraderie, it seems like. And they are going to have some difficult – Jackson, our producer, is saying they did shot 56% from three today. Today was the first day they shot well from three. But um, – Pesky Seriously, facts. they shot terribly. Fifty-six percent. I, I want to know where he got the box score. He could have just—that could have been the first. They were eight. ESPN.com has a wire story right here. That's where he got it. Eight, they were eight for fourteen from three late in the game. So, all right. Well, anyway, um, very uh, doesn't mean that they're home free. Still got some things. Obviously, there's some tests ahead, but Steve Kerr has this team looking good. Grant Hill and Sean Ford put the team together with the help of Steve Kerr, I'm mm-hmm. sure, prudently for what they had. And early returns on this edition are positive. I know, Bontemps, you were with them last week. Yeah. I mean, very impressive win today, I thought. Coming back in the second half in Spain to win in Malaga, win that game. I'm a little surprised Josh Hart is basically not in Steve Kerr's rotation. I thought he would get a chance to play more once his contract was done. Steve Certainly seems to be opting more towards an offense-first approach. Hard to argue with the way that's gone so far. I continue to be fascinated by the Paolo Bancaro at center minutes. I'll be curious to see how that goes if they play some of these bigger teams in the tournament, if he sticks with that. But he clearly believes a lot in Paolo and having him be able to be an offensive engine and bring the ball up the court and push it in transition. Austin Reeves was a guy that Steve talked about right from the beginning of camp. It was going to be a huge part of this team. He's clearly going to lean on him and Tyrese Halliburton a ton. Those guys have been awesome coming off the bench and playing together in a second unit. And another guy he's talked about from the beginning, Jalen Brunson, has been great all the way through, stepped up. Obviously, this is a difficult game on the road, kind of game you need your leader to step up and perform in. He obviously did. And I think the most important thing that's happened over the past week and a half with this team is Anthony Edwards, a guy who you know we talked about, I wrote about him going into camp. We talked about him as having a chance to be sort of the face of this team. Yeah, he's scoring like 14, 15 points a game. He is making defensive plays all over the place. And the way he has bought in, particularly at that end of the court, I think has been the most important thing that's happened with this team. And it's only a week. Obviously, they got a long ways to go. But I think if you look at how this first week and a half has played out for Team USA, I suspect Steve Kerr is thrilled because I don't think you could have scripted it better from top to bottom than the way this has gone so far. I would love to add a lot of really in-depth analysis of that, but I'll be honest with you, boys. 
right after Brunson gave the thumbs up, sarcastic clap. <laughs> and this is, I believe Brunson, I'd have to double check if he got teed up last year. But if not, then he's a guy with one technical foul in his career. So, you know, he kind of tells you how annoyed he was with the uh, officiating to mock them like that. But pretty soon after that, I took one of those inadvertent old man watching sports on the couch on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon naps. Uh, it's, I'm just being honest. I did. And I woke up and, you know, it was like late in the game and, and the U.S. is up 12. I was like, well, I'm a, re- I'm a real professional. <laughs> You're, you were, you know, it's August, it's an August, it's a lazy August uh, Sunday afternoon. I don't, yeah. I don't blame you. I would have, Man, it's hard I would have preferred it's, it's watching, right. it's uh, hard. he's hard at work these days. I mean, if you want my honest opinion, my preference would have been to watch what happened in the, uh, St. Jude. Uh, I still don't know. I mean, I know who won, but I don't know what happened. I mean, you know, I don't know how it unfolded. So I mean, I golf it, Golf is a way to cure insomnia. Typically, <laughs> basketball is a sport that keeps me awake. But today, I don't know what. I just, you know, I apologize. I conked out on the couch. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right. Well, it was a, uh, it's going to be, it's, uh, it's shaping up to be a, a good, Team USA, and they haven't won the World Cup in nine years. So, you know, it's not the be all end all, but, you know, it'd be nice to bring it home. Uh, okay. So, USA basketball. Canada and Germany. France is always uh, a, a big time, uh, you know, threat as far as the, the FIBA game goes. Who else are you looking at as, as real potential contenders in this thing? Well, I would, I, I, ahead, I, I would have thought the Slovenians. But yeah. not looking as potent as they did the last time around. That's why I was asking if um, everybody goes to Philippines because uh, when I said Shea might be the best player in the Philippines, I was trying to make a joke. Slovenia they, might not yeah. make it there, but I'm going to try will, the whole they, tour. They will. They will make it there. I think you have to at least give Luca the the threat of at least being a metal team. I don't think they're going to based on where they're at, but he's good enough that he could maybe carry them far. I hear you. They've got, obviously we talked about Vlaco Chanchar's uh, knee injury. That's going to probably not just knock him out of this whole tournament, but as you mentioned, maybe even next, next summer, probably all the season, Ido Murich, who was the captain of that team. He's out. He had his own knee injury and then Dragic isn't playing. So when you're, when you're looking at their, your old basket championship team, they're down, I think, three starters. Well, and is was what does Randolph uh Randolph, Randolph hadn't play played for him. He but hasn't he, played for him in a while. He didn't play but, for him in the Olympics. Right. That was the last time he played. It was only one Euro basket, right? Right. And so Mike Toby, I guess Toby is back now. That's their naturalized American. Toby's back. Yeah, their pick and roll uh partner for for Luca. I don't know why he wasn't there for their first few warm up games, but he's back now. He's the guy who yeah, I, would, I, asked, I asked him how familiar he was with Slovenia. Uh, like when he first heard of Slovenia, he said, when they asked me to get a passport. <laughs> <laughs> I think you told that on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, old man. Um, so uh, I heard that somewhere, though. Um, From me. Austra- Australia is, uh, is a serious contender. Um, mm. France is a serious contender. Spain's a serious contender. And Canada. Um, I think those are the Canada. Four. The thing about it is if the U.S. handles their business, which th- there's five games in the first two rounds, there's a pool play if the U.S. wins their pool and then gets into the first seed in the second round, 
and wins the second round, which even as a highly diminished team that they were in 2019, they weren't good at all. And then Jason Tatum sprained his mm-hmm. ankle in the pool, in pool play. And that was a huge blow. They still went five and zero in those first five games. And if they win those first five games and they play New Zealand, Greece without Giannis and Jordan, those are their three teams. By the way, Steve Kerr. Do any other shoe companies have teams? <laughs> uh, the Chinese who are awful. Steve Kerr. A lot of history with Jordan. Yes, but Steve Kerr played in Jordan as a, as a teenager. He was saying the other day. Yeah. But anyway, um, those are their pool play games. They should win those. And then uh, they're going to play Greece in a warm-up game in Abu Dhabi, so we'll see how that matchup is. And then the, the teams on their sort of side of the bracket uh, for the second round, Serbia is there, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, not, not. You know, it's not looking like a, this, the same type of Serbian team. Mm-hmm. So if they win those first five games, they will be on the opposite side of all of those teams until the semifinals, which means that between Canada, France, Australia – and um, Canada, France, Australia, Spain, who I miss, and Spain. They only have to beat two of those four if they yep. handle their business the first five games. So yep. it is set up for them to be in good position mm-hmm. as long as they play well, and they should. And that's the way they've been playing so far. So, uh, okay. Uh, congratulations to uh, Dirk Nowitzki, your guy, Dirk McMahon. Uh, he would not. Went, he would not. He would not be flattered by you saying he's my guy. But congrats to him, regardless. Well, you covered him for many years. He's always been kind to me, Dwayne Wade. Class act. Uh, he is. He is. Uh, he is phenomenal to deal with, no doubt. Dwayne Wade. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the statue in Dallas. He's leaning too far back. But other than that, dude, look at some of the old highlights. He would. You know. He he would kick okay. it back that far. All right, it's impressive. Uh, Tony Parker and Greg Popovich. Congratulations to getting in, and of course, our guy. Mark Spears. Uh, thank you for listening to the Collective Podcast. The next time we talk, I will uh, hopefully be joining you from the Middle East and we'll have a lot more to talk about once I get there and get on the ground and see what's going on. So, talk to you then. And who knows what will happen in the old what trade will talk. Is world Brian will be lacking sleep and we'll be hearing it. <laughs> Adios, amigos.